Good evening. I'm Rick Dancer, and welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. It's great to have you here. We have a really fun show tonight. Now, one thing we're missing tonight is Bill London. I know, and I'm sorry. I know you guys love Bill, and I love Bill too. But one of the things that you really do love about Bill is because he takes care of people, and he is the caretaker for his 95-year-old father, and his dad needed to go to an appointment tonight. And so Bill just wrote me the other day and said, Rick, I'm not going to be there. Is that okay? And I said, is this for dad? And he says, yep. And I said, of course it's okay. So Bill's not going to be joining us tonight, but we are sponsored by Chris Dental Family Dentistry um, and Michael Bratman, the dentist, is going to be here tomorrow night. And he's not talking about dentistry. We're going to ask Michael why he sponsors all these back the blue ads, uh, shame on people for doing this. Uh, kind of all the different uh, he's not afraid to hit controversy in the face when the lockdowns were going on we put up a huge billboard with a bunch of different business owners saying stop the lockdowns and he's not afraid he's putting one up right now for senator betsy johnson uh who is running for governor in the primary or not in the primary because she already won she's she's actually has to run on her own after that she has to get enough signatures to run but she will and he's putting up a big billboard in uh, junction city for uh, betsy johnson so he he's not afraid to take a chance tomorrow night he will be here with us to talk also bucks sanitary service is another one of our sponsors and we cannot do it without bucks they have been with us from the beginning and uh, we know when you got to go, you're going to go in the outhouse. It's there. But if you're having a party or a wedding or something like that, you know, support our sponsors because they support us. And so order a Bucks Porta Potty is <laughs> my favorite. I love having a Porta Potty company as a sponsor. It kind of in the world we live in, you got to have a place to put the shit. And so we have a client who does that for everybody. <laughs> And our other sponsor is Mercury Metal uh, Fabrication. And I'm going to show you. This is what they do. You need something made out of metal. They'll help you design it, fabricate it, put it together. They do everything. They really specialize mostly like big, big, big projects. But they're starting to branch out other things. So if you have a kitchen, you want to do it back. Again, we can't do it without our sponsors. Is that everybody? That is everybody. So tonight, what are we doing? <laughs> we got a special show for you. So this gentleman, who's not even a movie producer, uh, he works for the Douglas County Timber Operators, um, put together a really interesting documentary. And I think I got this right, but he'll be here in a second. Matt Hill will be here to talk about it. Ashes of the Archie Creek Fires. And um, he's put this together. We have a little sampling of it. I'm going to show you. And then later in the show, we're going to take you to Redmond, Oregon. I'm going to introduce you to a really good pizza place that's in a church. I mean, if you're going to have pizza, you should have it in a church. It's a former church that now is a pizza parlor, and it's called Grace and Hammer. And then I'm going to take you to a really cool brewery, and they're right next to each other. So you can order the pizza, go next door, and get the beer. And uh, Redmond, if you haven't been downtown Redmond, you do not know you're missing out on this. Okay, what are you guys saying here? Okay, we've got Good Evening. We've got your amazing sponsorship, um, Bucks Porta Bodies. So cool. 
Very nice. Tim, the tool man, would be grunting very loudly. <laughs> um, oh, you got that rugged Montana beard going like that. Oh, of course, you don't have to shave it in Montana. This video is absolutely amazing. Oh, you've watched it? Matt, you already have a fan. So you're worth your time. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Now, I did you know, have to have a little chat with Matt. And we're going to have to sign some paperwork because if he gets discovered off of this show... I get 10% off the top of any other movie he ever creates in his life. God, you guys are talking it tonight. Hi, Monroe. Get some land and put a new modular home on it. I'm not putting a modular home on land. So Matt is in the background. So Matt, just so you know, I've been talking about the fact that I can't find a house because I've had four, five times that people have outbid me or brought in cash. And so, okay, guys, let me do this right now because as long as you're here and you're in a funny mood, my favorite meme of the day. Are you ready? Check this out. So if shutting down Russia's pipeline will hurt their economy, wouldn't shutting down ours hurt ours? <laughs> Just asking for a buddy. I saw that and I had to repost it on my page because I thought that's so funny. It's interesting how everybody's talking about um, Putin shutting down or Biden shutting down the Russian <laughs> uh, oil consumption. But Nobody's talking much about what they did to ours. <laughs> and that is part of the problem. Just so you know, it's not just that Russia. God, you guys are really talkative tonight. Look at you. Yes, it sure makes a reel for those who are in Douglas County. Oh, Tracy, you are a Doug County. Yeah, that's just it's coming from storms here in New York. Keep losing audio. Renee, you're gonna have to get that fixed. So let's get this, the front of the show rolling. And then I'm going to get uh, Michael Bratlett's commercial in here. And then we'll get right to Matt. Or, or we're going to show his, the clip from his film. And then we'll talk to Matt. So here we go. Who puts up with this? That's what I don't understand. Bring the lion out. Bring the, bring the lion. Um, tonight on our show, we're going to have... Hey, guys, don't you think it's kind of fun? that you get to comment on the news. Yeah, there's a cost. Oh yeah, there's a cost. People come after you. Like, I think that's why this is so much fun is because... We'll see you at five. This is Dr. Michael Bradley from Christendal. Very soon, our local school districts will be deciding if our children will continue to be forced to wear masks. Let's not let this continue. Making our children wear masks is child abuse. Depression, dropout rates, and suicide among school-aged kids has skyrocketed. And for what? There is no significant difference between schools that have had mask mandates and those that don't. It's all political theater. These mask mandates on our children must end now. Okay, I didn't want to have that abrupt of an opening before you get into this because the way Matt started this thing is exactly what I would do. I saw saying it's, well, yeah, that is saying it's right. Um, yeah, it is right. This is the right way to do it. And this guy is not a film producer, and I love this about it. But you watch this. I just want you to sit back and kind of enjoy yourself and watch this next few minutes. And then we'll come in and talk with the guy uh, who actually put this whole thing together. So here we go.
the days following the burn of the homes and the fire, it was very evident that you know the public who may or may not have lost their home wanted to get back up to see what was left. We knew that there had been structures that were lost. We had been collecting information about these structures and which homes were standing, which ones had been damaged. There was a lot of uh, anxiousness in the community about what happened to my home. Uh, when can I get back in? And we knew we needed to communicate that uh, to the public as soon as possible so that they could begin uh, the recovery process. So we held a town hall in Glide. We had maps everywhere um, that showed, you know, basically home or no home. Uh, you know, in other words, did, did it burn or did it not burn? So as we did that meeting, uh, we as commissioners uh, and the sheriff and the assessor uh, and folks from the DFPA and the Forest Service and, and other organizations knew it was going to be very difficult. Uh, maybe one of the more difficult, if not the most difficult meeting I've done as a commissioner or as an elected official to literally look people in the eye and tell them their home no longer exists. Many of these people lost absolutely everything they had. Very, very little uh, of anything survived. The emotions at the community meeting were um, kind of all over the place. Uh, we had a lot of uh, folks who were um, very upset and crying, uh, understandably so. Um, I seen a lady who found out there's and she just passed out on the floor and I know how she felt because that's kind of how I felt, but that was hard to see all the lost looks in people's eyes. So at the community meeting, um, that was a pretty powerful moment. I felt how blessed I was to live in Douglas County and have a, a, you know, our commissioners so engaged that they met with each of the uh, landowners and, and notified them. People were um, struggling with having lost everything, uh, but still took a moment to say thank you for the work that was going on. Uh, pr pretty, pretty amazing day and again, pretty difficult day. I know I wasn't the only one, but we all felt like we were the only ones. We brought in emotional support workers as well. Uh, that was a component that uh, we thought really was going to be needed. Uh, I, I knew several of the folks that came through there. Um, and so that, that emotion, is, it's mixed. Um, just uh, feeling the, uh, the empathy and the sympathy for them. I think there was some uh, denial, maybe, or, or, or hope that there was something left. We decided we would, we would organize a day where we could escort people in and let them get to their property and see with their own eyes um, what was left. Wow. Whew. Um, yeah. <laughs> For a guy um, who went through the McKinsey um, fires, um, I got to tell you, Matt, that's kind of hard to watch because <laughs> I didn't get the fire anywhere near my house, but we were evacuated for a week and um, 
it's, it's scary. I mean, there's the scariest thing I think that we've ever been through because you're looking at your home and your everything you own is there. And you're thinking, I may not come home to this, you know? And so anyway, you guys, this is Matt Hill, uh, works for the Oregon. Now is it Douglas County association of loggers? Am I saying uh, Douglas, Douglas timber operators and Douglas timber operators. And then, so how did this come about? Cause you're not a, you're not a movie producer, a documentary producer. So how did this come about? Uh, it, it really started in, in capacity at DTO. I was involved in uh, cooperating with federal agencies and firefighters and ODOT, the sheriff's office, and search and rescue on just daily briefings on what was happening in in that first week of the Archie Creek fire, most of which happened in the first 48 hours. And I just saw all these different stories, you know, the search and rescue and the heroism of law enforcement, first responders. And then the industry people, my members, the loggers and timberland owners were the ones up fighting the fire. And I just felt that that, that story needed to be told and, and I just started filming. And it, it's such a visual story, it has to be. And and most people, you know, in summertime, they hear about fires, they hear the acreages, they see a couple pictures of burnt trees, but that's the end of it. And I, I wanted to get a much bigger capture of, of the human side of the story. Now, so this is that was just one little segment from how, how long is this? How many segments are there and kind of what do you cover in this? At this point, there's 13 segments and that was Whoa. half one segment. It's, so what? it's about an hour and a half long so far. I, I may add one more segment that I thought of today that I think needs to be told. Um, so it, it's kind of a full length feature, but I, I broke it up into these small vignettes and I'm airing one a week um on online so that people can watch just kind of one part of that story so how do they find them i'm going to put this in here so be slow with me okay <laughs> if you just go to youtube and search for douglas timber operators you'll see all of them i've only posted three so far um i usually post them on thursdays and so the, the segment we just watched uh, will be part of the one that airs this thursday okay what so what what, what do you hope this does um, a couple things. I, first and foremost, I, I hope that people take seriously the threat of wildfire in Oregon. Um, it, it is hotter and drier. Things are changing, especially in Southern Oregon. It's becoming more like California. And, and the threat to, to communities is, is very serious. And, and, and then federal agencies tend to leave the vast majority of deadwood out there. So the threat of it reburning is a significant threat. Where, where my wife and son and I live in Glide, Oregon, from our house, we can see two forest fires from the last two years within one mile of our house. So um, people need to take it seriously and take, take forest management policy seriously as well. You know, and I know people are gonna say, well, you're in the industry, so this is what you do. And that's okay, that's, that's, that's right. But we, are we managing our forests well? No. The, not, the not even close, are we? I, I've worked in forest policy all my career in public service and, and now in the private sector. I, I also work with Indian tribes that are involved in forest management across the country. It is all broken. Uh, there, there is no predominant vision. There's no predominant value. It is, it is run by the courts and special interest groups. And the result is no one wins when, when these giant fires happen. They burn up the timber. They burn up millions of wildlife, uh, endangered wildlife, and it's a disaster for everyone. What kind of got me really angry, and I mean, I've always been supportive of the timber industry because um, 
<laughs> I really like the economy to do well. And I understand that this is growing a crop. Um, it's not a religion. And I think um, in Oregon, it's well, in the whole West Coast, it's become a religion rather than a crop. I mean, can you imagine people doing this for corn? <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, that's my own thing. Um, but when it came that close to my house, I got really adamant and saying, you know what? You are not managing these forests properly, Oregon and your leadership. And now you're putting people like me. I mean, that came so dang close to Springfield, Oregon. You're starting to risk not just rural communities, which are damn important, but you're starting to risk major and and look at every year we've destroyed tourism because now everybody knows even here in montana this time when you get into september it's fire season and so it's ruining all kinds of industries over misinformation absolutely and and you know part of the the ongoing tragedy of these fires for people who've lost their homes you know i i know the situation i'm glad the most you know, hundreds of people were displaced, 154 residences, primary residences burned. Those people are still suffering. Some of them are, most of them, many of them are living in, in campers and in trailer parks. They, they were underinsured or not insured to rebuild, so they can't get back onto their property. Uh, all the recreational opportunities are, are destroyed. The trails are closed. The roads are closed. Uh, there's litigation over that. Uh, there's no park. There's no one, nowhere to take your kids. Um, the hatcheries burn, you know, which affects the fish river, um, it, it's a disaster for everyone. And um, it's it's something that, that I think we need much bolder action on. So how do you do that, Matt? Because you worked on, you know, in Capitol Hill, you worked on the Hill, you know where the trends go and what direction it is. I mean, look at how, how the spotted owl, it was actually the barred owl that was taking the territory from the spotted owl. And we shut down an, an entire industry practically over information that was not right. It wasn't accurate. And, and we just burned up the spotted owl habitat that the federal government set aside. I mean, half the Archie Creek fire was federal land. Most of that federal land was spotted owl habitat. So that's, that's toast literally. And that's and, kind of ironic, isn't it? So all this that we've gone to do, and then because we failed to manage, <clears throat> it, it, it manage what we were trying to manage, um, we, we lost it all. Well, it's, I mean, I, I, I don't usually cite biblical parallels, but I mean, it's, you can't case, my show. it's the case of Solomon and, and the baby. And, you know, we, local communities like Roseburg and Glide sacrifice tens of thousands of jobs and, and the impact of the socioeconomic impact of that on their communities to preserve areas uh, for owl habitat only to watch it burn. And, and so both sides lose uh, the, you know, the, the sword went down and, and cut it, and um, it, it's not good for either side. And, and there's got to be a better way that, that manages for fire, allows for for some reasonable cut, and and maintains these areas for for the multiple uses that they were established for. You know, Matt, I've done some work for the timber industry video work, and I one of the things I learned that I you know I hadn't thought of in the past was that when you reforest. Um, and plant those new trees, that is the best carbon filter in the world. It's a natural carbon filter that you're replanting that's going to suck that green. So it's green. It is like, it is one of, one of the solutions to greenhouse warming or climate change is actually reforesting and smaller trees do it better than the big trees. And everybody's whining about the old growth, which I wanna save some of that too, obviously. But 
like me, I'm not as effective as I was when I was in my 20s. I'm not sucking as much carbon. And people, it's the, it's kind of like, it reminds me of COVID. Follow the science. Well, we're not following the science. And I recently did a show with these two women who are, you know, that came from California, pretty liberal, came to California and up here started a tree farm. And all of a sudden they're going, we thought it was, the industry was kind of bad. And now we're realizing we're, we were completely wrong. And I think that's what's scary is it's not good science. No, I mean, if, if you care about carbon emissions, you should be ultimately worried about uh, wildfire. Uh, in 2020, the emissions, carbon emissions from fires just in Oregon were greater than the entire electric utility and transportation sector combined. So wildfire is the largest carbon polluter in Oregon. And that's just the emissions from the fire. Now you've got 100,000 acres of dead trees just in the Archie Creek fire that are going to sit there, rot, continue to deteriorate and emit carbon, probably reburn at some point. So they'll keep emitting over time instead of growing as green trees and sequestering additional carbon. Half the weight of the dry weight of a tree is, is carbon. So we're, we're talking massive amounts. So what can people do? Like, and just like people watching this, how do they get involved in that? I mean, just as a guy, I mean, I, I get tired sometimes. I go, well, vote, do this, do this. But it seems like the messaging is so strong on the other side of this issue that people just, it's easy to buy because it feels good. You know, how do you make preserving the greenhouse gases and are getting, you know, to taking care of that issue with by regrowing trees, the real story, how do you get that? Is, is, is kind of this Archie, the ashes to Archie, it's just kind of a way of getting people to open their eyes a little bit. At, at the very least, I hope people, you know, look at forest management as something that it, it's a human story. It's an environmental story. Um, and, and it's certainly an economic one too, but, I just want people to be cautiously aware of what's happening and, and, and the threat to their communities in terms of what they can do. Yeah, of course, vote, be registered to vote, but but be asking your your elected officials how they feel about this and what they're doing about it. Right. Pay attention to what's happening locally. I mean, every corner of Oregon, you know, with the exception, you know, Southeast, you know, has forest management discussions happening. They're, they're all very different, but, but the fundamental issue in all of those is whether or not we should be doing more management in our forests to reduce the threat of fire. And do you believe that or not? And, and I think the extreme environmental community just wants humans to disappear, walk away, let the forest burn uh, for the next hundred years. And, and it, it's all great because it's nature doing it, but there's plenty of things that nature does that are awful, like pandemics or cancer or, we, we treat and address and mitigate for nature every day of the week, every second of the day, and, and forests are no different. Well, not to get overly religious, but I can because it's my show. Um, God says we're to be good stewards of the earth. So we're to take care of it and, and make sure that it's, it's working properly. We're part of the puzzle. I mean, we were put here for a reason to do these things, and I think people are missing that, that point. Um, question that I, I want to know. Like, what was the what was the most profound thing out of all this that you've done? Was there a person or something? I mean, I don't know it all probably really impacted your life, but what is something that came out that you kind of went, oh, I didn't think of that? Um, it, it came up in every interview, something. Um, I, I think one, one surprise I had was I was interviewing a woman, and, and she was featured briefly in the clip you, sh you showed, but... Um, you know, she lived in a, a mobile home that, that burned. Um, she, 
you know, was scrambling to get her pets. The sheriff was yelling at her to get out. I mean, she was really in the front line. Uh, she forgot her husband's ashes. And um, so the, the place burned and his ashes were mixed up in the ashes of, of the home. And, and she was actually able to find an organization brought in uh, forensic dogs that were able to track down his ashes and the ashes of her home and return them to her. And, no way. Uh, just a really, there are these really incredible heartbreaking stories that, you know, amongst the ashes, and I think that's why I call it in the ashes of Archie Creek is, you know, there are these incredible stories of, of heroism and, and strength and resilience uh, of people. And, and I, I just feel so much better about my, and prouder of my community after talking to these people. What did you learn about you doing this? Uh, that I'm, I'm a amateur filmmaker and, and not a great photographer. And I messed up the sound and, and focused a few times. Um, but I, I just, I'm, I'm glad I, I went out and got the footage and um, I'm, I'm glad I had the instinct to do it because um, not a lot of people were filming uh, in the first few hours and, and few people had access to it. So I was able to use that to, to the advantage of this project. So it's every Thursday you put out a new episode and I had the site. In fact, I could put that up again. This is the YouTube site, you guys, to go find it. And uh, there's already two on there. Is that what you said, two? Um, there's three and this will be the fourth. This okay, so there's four on there. There will be four as of this Thursday. And so you guys can go catch up and every week um, you can get a, get a new clip of it and uh, find more of the story. Um, will you do, you said you might do one more part? Um, for today or for, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. No. For, is, it, is it done? You've shot everything. Oh, no, I, yeah, I may record one more segment. Uh, there's a lot of, um, in-stream restoration work being up, done up in Rock Creek, uh, to help the fish come back and survive. And, and that's, I think an important part of the, the healing process and, um, and also on reconstruction, there's a lot of people, like I said, who, who still aren't able to build homes back up there and, and the timber industry is going to be making an announcement soon about helping some of those people rebuild. And um, somebody, Tracy said to me, Frank and Jeannie Moore losing their home they built was one of the saddest things. And you were, you were friends with the Moors as well as what I am. Yeah. The, actually the opening sequence there driving up the driveway was their driveway. And, and I went up with, with DFPA um, just a couple days after the fire to film what was left so they could see it without them having to go up there. Um, and so I filmed all the way up the driveway and spent a couple hours up there and it was awful. Um, I yeah. spent some of the happiest moments of my life up at their, their house and with Frank and Jeannie and fishing that pond and uh, sitting around the dining room table and, and just to see it wiped yeah. from the face of the earth was, was awful. What was kind of cool like, that came out of that story was that um, they did get a lot of his medals or quite a few of his medals reinstated the government and they did it fast. So before he passed, because Frank passed just a few months ago, um, he got those medals back, which were really important to him. But all the pictures, because you and I have both been in there, there's <laughs> their house was like a museum um, of, of, you know, the Oregon. Frank was the father of the Forest Practices Act, you know. And, I mean, just so many moments that he had with people and, and movie stars and, and government and Tom McCall and all those things. And a lot of that stuff is probably lost. But, you know, not for, I guess, in the... In the big world, you know, the big, big, big world, um, Frank and Jeannie Moore have impacted Oregon in ways that, um, and mostly in humility, 
um, which is what, what you and I probably love the most about him is Frank would never brag about himself. So we get to do it for him. Yeah, no. And, and he always joked with me about not being in shape and not being able to find a gym. So he had a great sense of humor too, but uh, I, I miss him terribly. Um, I, I did interview him, him and Jeannie for this project, but I'm not including that as part of it. Um, it's just a little too personal. Um, but I'll, I'll share that with their family. So they have that. Okay. Well, if you ever do and ask Colleen, if I can have a, if I can get a look at that, I would love to see it, Matt. Okay. Matt, thank you for joining us. And thank you for having the guests to do this. And I think, I mean, honestly, as some guy, I've done this my whole career. You did one hell of a job that it's just from that clip. I see, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go watch the other ones. I'm going to see it. Thank you. Thanks Rick. And, and thanks for helping share the story. Yeah. No, you're welcome. All right, we'll see you later. That's Matt Hill, uh, so be sure and check that out. And see, I mean, look at that. Here's a guy, and he's not. That's not his thing, and now it is because he tried something different. He he he, had, he knew what he wanted to do, in probably some ways. But when you do anything like that, I can tell you, the story starts to control you. And that's the good thing about good stories is they tell themselves. All you have to do is be a willing participant to ask the right questions. And we can all do that. Every single one of us can do that. Um, it's will we? And why did Matt do it? Um, because he loves that area. He loves the force. He's been fighting for him in, in, in Washington, D.C. and here um, for his whole career. And so now to get to put some touch on that, um, to, that, that could help change people's attitudes, maybe. You can always hope, right? Well, you can always hope. Um, so here, let's let's lighten life up just a little bit. R Redmond, Oregon is like the coolest little town. And um, last night I showed you a new hotel. Tonight I want to show you two places. These are short stories, but it's um, a pizza place in an old church. And right next door, then they have like a food cart area. So you can go right next door and get your beer. And they also have some food carts over there. So let's start with um, Grace and Hammer. Valentin. Uh, I'm uh, one of the key members for Grayson Hammer Pizzeria. Our previous operation in Austin, uh, that was uh, Stanley's Farmhouse Pizza, and we were one of the largest retailers for Deschutes Brewery in Texas. We came and experienced uh, Central Oregon, and, and it was really hard to get back on the plane. One of the trips we were out here, we were originally looking at Bend, and, and Bend was, it's, it's so saturated with awesome food and everything. You know, one of our trips to just kind of, you know, look around and see what's out here, and she just so happened to pass by this church with a for sale sign on it on her way to the airport. She calls Chad and says, hey, I think I found it. And everything is just, uh, everything's just kind of happened after that. Um, it was kind of, kind of a, a lucky, lucky strike. Uh, we have been in operation since uh, mid-August of 2019. We helped build the deck, the renovation, the, we did the ceiling, we did the wiring, you name it, and we had a hand in it. So uh, again, it was, it was all to to just get it done so we can so we can make pizza what we found is by by bringing a restaurant especially a pizzeria in here is it's uh, very community driven and and it's kind of bringing back a congregation we have our regulars that we see every week and i've heard more than one joke of oh my goodness i never thought i'd step inside of a church again and and there's a there's a lot of like little jokes like that but uh, uh definitely this is it, it's it's becoming a a community home base I'm the owner of Cobalt Brewing and the Vault Tap House, located in downtown Redmond. Did uh, air traffic control for 26 years and uh, started when I was really young. Decided to leave early and find a new path. Uh, we moved to Bend and 
joined a homebrew club, took a bunch of classes, really got into brewing, loving the creativity of it, followed up by bulldozing my detached garage and building a two-barrel brewery. Redmond is a spectacular place for us. Uh, we were looking in Bend and it wasn't really affordable to do what we wanted to do. A friend of ours who owns Baldi's Barbecue mentioned that the city is very proactive and helpful in revitalization of these downtown buildings. So we purchased one and got their help in uh, transforming the property and it's worked out just spectacular for us. Um, first we built the, the Vault Tap House, which is our tasting room, and a year and a half later we found some property here and built our brewery. Our maximum capacity, it's a 10 barrel brew house with a 20 barrel um, fermentation site. Um, our max capacity is about 2,000 barrels a year. Last year we did maybe 600. This year we'll double that. Um, so our growth is actually quite good. Has a big, a big walk-in safe against the vault. Um, the last use it was a cigar shop, and it was kind of a mess out here. So we took out about 30 truckloads of dirt and roots and junk, and uh, built a wonderful patio and and restored the building. So. Beer and you kind of talk to me about beer and, and Redmond is, it's it's king. Beer is uh, more than you can imagine in Redmond. When we came here, um, there were two other breweries. Now there are six. Um, it's been great growth in Redmond. I think it's because of the proactive stance the city has um, and the help uh, some grant money to these downtown properties. You you have a beautiful downtown. It is it's wonderful. The restoration of that hotel is spectacular um, all there just been a ton of new businesses that have come in um, it's just been a wonderful uh, process to watch we've been here three years this month and uh, there's been a ton of growth and, and great new businesses in the last three years why Redmond uh, this, I think the city helping us was key it was affordable um, the vibe is great it just feels like a small town that's just got a you know, super cool feel. And we just have amazing customers and amazing support from the city and the chamber. It's just really a wonderful place. It's great outdoor activities. Smith Rock's really close by. There are a ton of um, trails, a dry canyon, a climbing wall. Uh, it's, just a, it's just a wonderful place to be. It really is. That canyon, Dry Canyon Park is the greatest place. Kathy and I go run there every time we're in Redmond. It's such a cool place. Now, Grayson Hammer and the brewery are right next to each other, like I said, and you can sit out on the patio and then you can go just right next door and there's a whole food cart area. You can get your beer and do your thing. So it's great. So that's it for tonight's show. Uh, share this on your page if you would. If you do end up going to Redmond or any of that stuff, just mention that you saw it on our show. It does help us. Um, if, if you don't mind doing that, it's awesome. Um, tomorrow night, we will have Dr. Michael Bratman come on, and that's going to be a spicy show. He's going to be talking about why he's not afraid to stand up against um, the system and why he's not afraid to risk losing business uh, to stand up and, 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 and say what he believes. Because if we had more people in Oregon willing to do that, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in. So all of us need to um, grow a pair. Ha, ha, ha.
I want to thank our sponsors, Chris Daniel Family Dentistry, Buck Sanitary Service, and also Mercury Metal Design and Fabrication. We couldn't do this without all of you and our other great sponsors. All right, that's it for tonight. We will be back, and Bill will be here tomorrow with all your day's news. Um, I will see you then. Have a great night, and we'll talk to you later. Just get real. <laughs>